Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. The Word of God has given us examples of faith that have shaped virtually every aspect of the believer's life today. Where would we be without the examples of Noah, Abraham, and Isaac, David, and ultimately that of Yeshua, Jesus? Faith is woven into the fabric of America as well. From the Pilgrims to John Adams, to Patrick Henry and George Washington, God's providential hand remained highly esteemed and honored above all. Faith unshakable, faith unstoppable, faith of our fathers. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif. And I'm game to remind that life comes replete with trials. It is the way it is, yes, but God gets us to it and through it. What do you think? Well, I was looking at the topic for today and like, who likes trials? No one likes the hard. We like the easy. We've all been there, though. It's true. If you want to have a testimony, you got to pass a test. That's right. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and here's Jeff teaching about the tests of our biblical founding fathers. If you can think of a major ordeal that you've been through, you went to it, went through it, and got out the other end of it and took the knee, if you can recall what that felt like, you'll find more value in what I'm looking at here today. Now, it sounds like it's going to be a tough program. Oh, I'm going to speak directly, but it's not really a tough program, but it deals with the stress involved in enduring trial, the kind of situations that test our mettle. I'm bringing a hammer to the uh, table, not that I'm going to beat you over the head with it or me. I'm reminded of a fellow named Noah who uh, worked an instrument like this and others like it to manufacture a boat, got wood together and facilitated the manufacture of this megastructure at a time where they hadn't seen rain that would necessitate it. People were observing this, didn't even know what the innovation was to speak of. It wouldn't have made sense to them, and to be sure, he had to endure the ridicule of his associates. Well, who's laughing later, to tell you the truth? Not to make fun of anyone's destruction. But sometimes people that walk with the Lord get tested in the process. And that reminds me that when I think of the testing of metal, I don't just think of Noah and the circumstances uh, surrounding him, but thinking of famous boat rides. Uh, those who came to America came here in a very hazardous, they braved the hazards as a very difficult transatlantic voyage. Very, very, very precarious, very scary, and they took the knee afterwards. They did, as you might well imagine. They said, thank you, God, when they got to land. You know, I began this by saying, I don't know if you've ever been in a perilous place in your own life, or if you can think of that and how relieved you were when the difficulties had run their course. <laughs> you know, that, that boat ride that Noah had was no easy journey. And to be sure, the pilgrims that came here, they were struggling as well. But you know, the good Lord brought them through. They were guided by providence in the process. Would that we endured our trials. The Bible said, blessed are those who endure it, for afterward they'll receive the crown that comes to those to whom it is due. Well, I want to look at a story here that involved another kind of hammer, a builder. You know, those that came to the new world over here were looking to build something new. And it wasn't sticks and bricks, though they had, they had to attend it out to be sure, but they're looking to build a new kind of commonwealth. 
and they had to fell those trees and cut those rocks, and they just built it from the ground up. By looking up, they wanted uh, heaven to shine down as they were tending their business on earth. And they weren't the only ones. Uh, when I go to Bible days, Zerubbabel was his name. He was the first governor for those that went on the journey, not over sea in this case, but over sand. I mentioned that Judeans were in Babylonia, but they were afforded the opportunity to return. And tens of thousands did. Actually, at the tail end of the Old Testament era, there were three waves of immigration, first with Zerubbabel, and then Ezra, and then Nehemiah, Nehemiah came, and then uh, it all came to an end. That is the Older Testament narrative ends there with this rebuilding under Persian occupation. Well, I mention this because Zerubbabel, the name Zerah, Babel, Zerah is the Hebrew word for seed, and Babel uh, from Babylonia, that he was a seed from Babylonia. He came from there, and that seed was replanted in the earth of Judea, but the growth came with its challenges. And I'm looking at the book Zechariah in Hebrew. Zachar is the word to remember. Uh, Zechariah, uh, God remembers here. And uh, uh, Zerubbabel was remembered in all of his struggles. Uh, we're told in chapter 4, verse 8, the word of the Lord came, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands will also finish it. Now, he wasn't exclusive. He was the governor at the time, but he was responsible principally for the work project. But, you know, enthusiasm would wax and wane. And it was like that. In the days of the colonial struggle, by the way, people joined... Uh, Washington's army, but it was militia. They defected in mass as well. You know, enthusiasm waxes and wanes. And uh, uh, Zechariah here is giving an encouragement. You can finish it. You can do this. Zerubbabel, be strong. We're going to see that when I pivot to another text. When I look at the faith of our fathers, faith can get tested. In Hebrews, we're told that genuine faith is tested. It's refined in the fire of a challenging circumstances. But you know what they say, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And in a biblical sense, to be sure uh, that uh, we go through it and we certainly become the better for it. Well, here uh, we're told, in fact, uh, right before, uh, there's a statement here that's interesting. It reminds me of Jesus talking about faith can move a mountains. He says, he says to him here that, uh, what are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. That is to say, with his faith in action, that big, immovable object will be leveled. I see language like that here in Haggai, who was a prophet who was uh, reasonably contemporaneous with uh, the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah. Haggai comes from a word festival, chag, and, 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 and he was looking to stir up a festive spirit to serve the Lord at a time when enthusiasm was waning as well. And he has a word to uh, Zerubbabel that is a word to those of us that walk by faith. He says in chapter 2, and I'm looking at verse 4, he says, but now Zerubbabel, chazak, <laughs> chazak, uh, be strong, and uh, we need that. He says it's a declaration of Adonai, you know, be strong. And he, and he tells the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, 
Be strong. It takes that. It's a declaration. For I am with you. It is a declaration of Adonai Tzivot. At the end of verse 4, it's a declaration of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. You got difficult stuff coming against you. Well, God's got some strong stuff for you as well. He says here, be strong. It's a declaration. According to the word that I covenanted with you, he goes on to say in verse 5. He goes on to say, finally, before he gets out of this section of the text, you can go down a few verses, and he says, I will fill this house with glory. And you know why he filled it? Uh, because some labored to build it. It was a long and winding road, and it's checkered with challenges that, that, that come our way. And we, as people of faith, we go to it, and we go through it, and we build what God has destined us to build. We see it in biblical literature. I trust you can be reminded of it in your own experience. Who knows, right now you might be going through it in a big way. I want you to know God can make a miracle to happen to you in a big way as well. Well, I think of you, I think of me, I think of we, I think here, and I think of the founding fathers of our culture. They braved the hazards, as I'd said, of a journey to come to this world, and they braved the hazards associated with building it. And here we are now, the work continues, does it not? As you and I, as we, look to follow the faith of our fathers. Our resources this week, we have two ways you or someone you love can learn the New Testament. First, the book Once Through the New Testament. Zola Levitt and Dr. Tom McCall created this concise, readable, and clear overview. Or the audio CD, Survey of the New Testament. Here's Zola Levitt's unique point of view from the Gospels to Revelation. Contact us and ask for the book or the CD. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, there, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. This television program is simply one facet of our ministry. Another facet that we absolutely love is the fact that we take tours to Israel. We do. And you and I get to host them. Twice a year. Twice a year. Go to our ministry website, levitt.com. There's all kinds of tour information. Jeff, how many times have you been to Israel? Oh, around 50. I was going to say it will change wow. your life one time or 50 times. It's life-changing. It really is. It strengthens to walk in the Bible lands. Speaking of which, you heard me speak about chazak, to be strong. And in the uh, biblical account, individuals are beckoned to be strong. Sometimes we're strengthened in part when others help hold up our hands. You may recall the children of Israel were in a battle, and you know what? Individuals helped 
hold up Moses' hands. Will you please help us keep our hands up? I mention that because in these days, some aren't as inclined to be as supportive of ministries as they otherwise might be. Please, if you find value in what we do, uh, let us know that by demonstrating something tangible to help us to continue to do it. And God bless you as you do. Thank you. In our drama today, we find Betsy Ross's friend who is a clergyman who shares with us some insightful information, even going back to the pilgrims of their unwavering faith in God. Let's go there now. Betsy, I believe a providential plan is at work here. As I've transcribed these notes in my own hand, it's given me pause. How could one not be moved by those who have committed themselves with such immense faith to the will of their Heavenly Father? Please, sir, do share their thoughts. For me, it all started with Mr. William Bradford, and the souls aboard the Mayflower in the year 1620 of our Lord. He left behind a journal concerning those who had joined him. I read in part. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who brought them over the vast and furious ocean. You see, they viewed themselves as replaying the story of the Exodus, the escape of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt to a promised land. Yes, I can see that. The ocean, I suppose, was likened to the wilderness through which the children of Israel sojourned for 40 years. America was their promised land. Yes, exactly. Especially the Puritans who perceived fleeing the tyranny in Europe to fleeing slavery of Egypt. Bradford's secretary would later write, Thus, out of small beginnings, greater things have been produced by God's hand that made all things of nothing. Just as one small candle may light a thousand, so the light that kindled hath unto many, yea, to our whole nation hath that light shown. Let the glorious name of Jehovah have all the praise. That small light has flickered among us for over a hundred years. May we be prudent in fanning that flame. In Hebrew, it's ash. It means fire or flame. And our guest, David Barton, has a passion. He's on fire to help people see the lost Christian heritage of the American colonies. You've heard of the Puritans. Well, you're going to be exposed to William Bradford as we enter into the world of the faith of our founding fathers. David, in the first program, you spoke of primary source data, the principal literature. I've long lamented personally that in church, a lot of preachers don't have an open Bible. They just talk, and there's a little reference to the principal sources. It looks to me like you're interested in principal sources. And there's a picture there that gives a window into one, doesn't it? Well, in the program we just saw, we were talking about William Bradford. And William Bradford is this man right here. 
He came over with the pilgrims on the ship originally. Uh, this is the, the congregation of the pilgrims leaving Leyden, Holland. They're going to Great Britain and then on to England. And so it started out two ships. The congregation split between two ships. Actually, English sailors sabotaged the ship. It didn't make it, so they all got on the Mayflower. They had to leave some behind. So as they come on the Mayflower, he becomes the governor for nearly 30 years of the pilgrims. Uh, he is a primary source, and this is the book that he wrote, and it records the 30 years of, of what they did. Uh, these are actually the records of the colony in the time he was governor, and so we know much. This is where we learned about the first Thanksgiving. This is where we learned about their faith. And as you look at these, these folks, they're really the second colony in America, and they're gathered around this Bible right here, and this Bible being held by Elder William Brewster, this is their pastor, John Robinson, who did not make the trip. He was on the ship that was coming, and that ship didn't make it. So this Bible is actually what's called a Geneva Bible. And it was the first Bible printed in the English language. What makes it unique is all along the, the sides, it has commentaries of the Reformers. The Bible was a brand new book to them. It had been put away for nearly a thousand years. That book, this book, is called the world's first pocket Bible. It's pretty large but it was the first one that you could carry around for yourself in over a thousand years. So they're back into reading the Bible, and what makes them so significant from the first colony, the first colony was Jamestown, and these are the records of Jamestown from their governor, John Smith. Jamestown, they were all professing Christians, but these guys were biblical Christians, and there's a big difference. These guys professed Christianity, these guys actually lived it. These guys did not live the Bible. And out of the Jamestown colony is where we find really socialism takes root in America. The government provides for everything. They wait on the government. They're very lazy. Um, they had a starving time where the 70% of the people died simply because they would not work. They refused to work. These guys started as a community of believers with a kind of church socialism. And they came across two scriptures in the Bible, one in Thessalonians, one in Timothy. And it talked about if you don't provide for your own household, you're worse than an infidel, First Timothy. And so they broke everyone up and had individual land. They bought all the land from the Indians. Um, the Jamestown colony took it from the Indians. These guys said, no, the king gave us a grant, but it's private property. The Indians own it. Where did they land? They landed, they came into what we would call Massachusetts area. It's part of the providence of the story. They were being sent to the Jamestown colony, but the winds were so strong they couldn't get there. And the more they turned that ship to the south, the stronger the winds got, and it blew them about 200 miles north, and they landed in a completely uninhabited area. And so as a result, they got to start their own government, they got to start their own church, they got to start their own system. Uh, in Jamestown, they had a state-established church. The, the English crown told you what church to go to. They said, no, we want a biblical church. So when they landed, they said, we're electing our pastor different from our civil leaders. And in Jamestown, it's pretty much the same. You know, it's interesting. Today, we think of the belt around America. The Bible Belt is in the South. The North is different. But it seems to me religion was in the South, but the Bible was in the North. It was. And these guys, not only the longest lasting treaty with Native Americans was these guys. These guys also, the first load of slaves came to Jamestown, and they accepted them. The second load of slaves came to these guys. They promptly freed the slaves, imprisoned the slave owners, and they quoted the Bible passages out of Exodus that man-stealing is a capital offense. There you go, out of an extension of Christian faith and virtue. Exactly. Fascinating. You know, the Bible's the greatest story ever told. This is the greatest story never told, and this is the roots of our culture. It is the roots of our culture, and it's interesting. There was a map done in 1888 showing the influence of the Bible from the pilgrims and the influence of the Jamestown colony 
And really all the bad stuff came out of the Jamestown colony and all the good stuff came out of the biblical Christians. And this is the book that made that difference. They lived by this. Uh, you see early paintings of them. They always have a Bible with them. They were people of the book in a very literal sense. Well, they borrowed that from the Jewish people that have long held that moniker, the people of the book. But to be sure, uh, they were interested in the story of the Jewish people and related. Of course, they crossed the seas. The Jews crossed the desert sands to get to the promised land. Well, it's interesting that Governor Bradford in his late 60s took up the study of Hebrew, which at that time was essentially a dead language. He said, when I read the Bible, I want to hear what it sounded like when Adam named all the animals. I remember it sounded like when God spoke to them. God, I want to hear what that sound is. And so they were very focused on, on Hebrew scriptures and even Hebrew language at a very early time in American history. It is just so fascinating. What's of principal importance to all this to you? Something is underneath generating that inquiry. Uh, what is it? For me, when I look at these guys, this is what happens when you read the Bible, know the Bible, study the Bible, and apply the Bible. You get a whole different culture. Uh, what they did for the free market system, the first free market business in America, they started 1627. Um, good relations, equality, the concept of equality. Never, never was a time in Massachusetts history when blacks could not vote. I mean, that's just so different from the South. And so people who live the Bible versus people who profess Christianity don't know the Bible, that's the real story of the pilgrims. I mean, I am really just blown away, frankly. I didn't know that. And of course, I learn new things every day. But uh, there in the, the colonies in the North where the Bible was central, slavery was skewed. It was. Uh, as an extension and, and of another, Christian faith and virtue. Another really interesting thing is they believed that everyone should know the Bible. So they pr provided education for boys and girls. Most of the world only for men. They did it for men and women. The highest literacy rate in the world was in New England for women, highest literacy rate for women. And actually, John Adams said it's more common to see a comet than it is to find someone who can't read in New England. Really? So the Bible was a source of literacy. Uh, they produced the first public education law in 1647 to know the Bible. So uh, they really did live out their faith and it affected us in many ways. You know, it's interesting, those that critique our uh, interest in the faith of our fathers say, well, we're just trying to read biblical uh, sentiment into their uh, minds. But, you know, a picture tells a thousand words. We only have a minute left. But uh, as you point out, it looks like the Bible's pretty central there, yes? The, the Bible is central there. It's interesting. You even see God with us up in the sail. Um, that was part of it. And you see the rainbow, which they believed this was a covenant. And they were a very covenantal people. And they looked at the covenants of the Bible that God had done. And they held the position that a covenant requires input from both sides. God will bless us, but we have to do things that will receive that blessing. And so they really did believe in living a biblical lifestyle. And that's what you see in this picture. So it is with the faith of our fathers. Thank you, David. My pleasure, Jeff. Is it odd for me to honestly say I love this program? And I know we've, we've hosted it for a while now, but I love the insight that we learned that you bring out. And David, just a minute ago, talked about the fact that our founding father studied Hebrew. I never knew that. Yes, it was required in Harvard eventually. They brought a guy in who was of Jewish extract who came to faith to teach it. 
who had actually written a book on Hebrew grammar. It was a big to-do. Yale was slower to catch on, but eventually they all did. But it was a dead, it was a dead language. I mean, now, here we are in this time where we have Israel, the Jewish people are back, but it was a dead language, but they saw the value in well, that. It, put it like this, it was dead outside of the Jewish world right, in so right. many ways. But, uh, you know, back then, you know, they're going to Harvard at 16, 17, and think about this, they don't have TV and video games. These people didn't just know Hebrew, they were studied up in Latin and in Greek. Wow. Uh, the scholarship was a lot higher back then. Oops. There, there was another word that I heard in this discussion about, in Hebrew, hazok, which means be strong, correct? Chazak. Chazak. Yes. Chazak. Yes, to be, be strong. strong, even in our trials, whatever we're going through, to be yeah, strong. There was one guy, by the way, in the colonies uh, in New Amsterdam in 1654. His name was Jacob Bar Simpson. And I know you're thinking Bart Simpson. I know it went right there, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let the, the Jews serve in the militia. And he fought for the right to be a pillar to strengthen the colonies. He had to fight against a guy named Stuyvesant, who was the governor. I mean, there's appreciation for the language. There isn't always appreciation for the people. But Barr Simpson, if you can imagine Barr's that. Barr's son, yes. right? Son yeah. of Simpson. In Aramaic, yes. Okay. Uh, was one of those. There were Jews here at the beginning. And I love to tell that story. And you talked about in your teaching today about walking through trials. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned in the beginning of the program, who likes a trial? We don't like that because it's hard. And talk about the refining fire that so many walk through. I uh, try and get up and lift weights about three times a week anyway and run other times, four or five times a week in the morning uh, before the sun gets up. You have to get to the pain in order to get the gains, you know? And the truth of the matter is, you get underneath those weights till it hurts, and that's what makes you what you are. If, if there's somebody watching today who's never had a trial, you are set apart because we've all been through trials in our lives. That's right. You don't get a pass uh, because you've accepted the Lord. Sometimes people have trials, the problems, they come to Jesus and there's trials, you know? But uh, we have the grace of God to get us to it and through it and make it better because of it. If you are walking through something today that you think is just unimaginable and you feel as if you're in the midst of a fire, get in touch with our ministry. We are a television program, but we are at heart in ministry. There's a way to get in touch with us online. Call us, call that phone number. There'll be someone that you can talk to. We don't want you to ever feel that you're going through what you are alone. We're here That's also. true. There's caring people at the end of that mail. If you don't send a check, send a request, you know. People are here for you. We're not those fakes that just uh, open up the mail, pull the checks, and ditch the rest. I mean, people are going to pray and care and share. It's all there. Hazak. 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 Be strong. And we end our program with a song from our founder, Zola Levitt. And a word from the scripture. Sha'alu, shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.